people talking, hunters everywhere. Doesn't get any better. I, the only thing I was wondering is like, is this headset going to mess my hair up? Pretty much a one species wander. So all I know is Samba deer, but the more, the more I think I know, the more I realise I need to learn more. There's a there's a movement in the blackberry bushes and the cloak of invisibility gets switched off and Rogers appears. With the crazy world we live in today, many of us seek adventure of the unknown. Join the five of us everyday Aussies from all walks of life, share stories from men and women of all hunting camps. From tips and techniques to the emotional rollercoaster ride fulfilling a lifelong dream, there is a story to be told by all. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Good, good afternoon everybody, this is Josh Rogers from Hunting Camp Down Under and I'm sitting in a nice little cafe at Hillsville with Kent Mulligan, so thanks for coming on Kent. No, my pleasure, good to put a face to the um, the Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's been a couple of years. Yeah, it has been, so. Back and forth. A few messages here and there, thank you. No, I've just got my next coffee in, but. Yeah, it's looking good. Yeah, so. Between Craig and myself, we'd been trying to line this up with you for a little bit, so finally got you here now. Yeah, it's good to connect. Had a bit of a chat earlier, which is good, so I've got a bit of an idea of where the conversation goes, but we'll start off with just you telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, I'm a New Zealand expat. I'm based in Melbourne. Um, I've kind of had a bit of a nomadic lifestyle for the last, I'd say, probably four or five years. So yeah, I've, I've you know I've set up a home base here now, and it's um it you know for a couple of reasons for business. Um, I've got a, a 17 year old daughter here, and yeah, I just I, there's a lot of things that I like to access in Victoria. So you know, outdoors is a you know is a is a big part of my life. Um, whether it's spending time on the coast, um, fishing, or more recently, I'm dabbling in bow hunting. Yep. Um, so yeah, I've I've connected with um, with some really cool people, and you know, getting an insight into you know that that lifestyle, and it's yeah, it's really resonated with me, and I guess it sparked a lot of um, um, you know familiarity with my childhood growing up in New Zealand, which was. Um, you know, spent a lot of time in the outdoors there, so it was fishing, um, hunting, duck shooting, um, you know, very close connection to the land. And, yeah, it's just something in the last probably five or six years I felt, you know, I was being sort of pulled back to. Um, as I've got older, you know, the importance of, um, you know, spending time outdoors and, and um, with myself, I guess, as well. It's, um, yeah, it's just, it's been, yeah, it's been a really cool journey and, surprisingly um, refreshing and yeah and surprisingly you know the people that I'm connecting with um, have been way more open with sharing their knowledge and their their insights than than I probably would have anticipated yeah um, yourself one of them you've been very encouraging and supportive along the way so yeah I feel like I've um, yeah there's a, there's a lot of layers to you know this um, this lifestyle that you know are playing a big role in my life at the moment yeah i think social media is just a new system to to connect hunters or even just people so like-minded people it doesn't even have to be the hunting related topic sure. so yeah um, i think we're growing as a community in our willingness to share information so yeah and i think you know there's a lot of a lot of people out there that tend to focus the, on the negative aspects of social media and you know, for me personally, I, you know, 
I mean, you've got a choice. You can disengage with the stuff that you don't want to um, don't want to see or don't want to interact with. Um, but for me, it's it's generally it's very positive. Like I use it as a tool for my business um, to con- you know to connect with other businesses or like-minded people. And you know, through that, there seems to be you know lots of relationships of of different kinds that have have developed and evolved. And you know, in the same way as you know, like when I first started, you know. Um, exploring the the bow hunting you know i felt that you know there's already a, a platform there and a, and you know like-minded people that i could you know sort of bounce ideas off and get information and yeah w- without that i i think i would have been you know a long way from where i am now yeah so just to take it back a little bit you grew up in new zealand on the north island yeah on a, a farm yeah so in a in a town and in a rural area a really small town yeah. um my grandparents had a farm sort of um, 15 minutes from the town centre. So spent a lot of time on that farm. Um, I was one of three boys. Um, my, my dad had an um, engineering company, so mainly doing, um, you know, truck decks and trailers and um, transport-related um, engineering. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, our... our lifestyle as kids was very much in the outdoors so mainly trout fishing um duck shooting rabbit shooting um just any shooting anything that moved really yeah that's pretty <laughs> as standard. you do when you're pretty standard for 12 new year olders, for so new zealand yeah yeah um you mentioned that your mum also took in that type of activity yeah mum was probably the biggest influence and in, and in, you know the time that we spent outdoors my dad was a pretty much workaholic um so, you know, it was it was pretty much my mum would take us away every weekend or, you know, days after school, trout fishing, um, camping and doing, you know, doing stuff. So, yeah, she's still, you know, heavily involved in fly fishing in New Zealand and, you know, tramping and outdoor stuff. So, yeah, I definitely feel that my mum, without my mum's influence, I probably wouldn't have gone down that path. Yeah. Um, for me... You know, I think one of the key things when I was 11 years old, my mum took me to do a, a fly tying course. Through that course, I, I got friends with um, two of the local rangers or the um, the wardens and the game wardens in the area. Yeah, and for docks. Yeah, for docks, yeah. Yep. So they kind of took me under their wing and, you know, it's, I'd spend, you know, the summers trout fishing with them and then the winters duck shooting. Um, so... Yeah, we had we had, you know we had a lot of a lot of food from yeah <laughs> from you know from the duck shooting and trout fishing. Um, my older brother at the time was really into pig hunting, so him and our neighbour were out every weekend, you know, chasing pigs and um, so yeah, it was you know it was it was a great childhood, really yeah. cool childhood. And then at seventeen, you said you got a one-way ticket out of there. Yeah, so I I left school. I didn't do so well at school, and I was I left when I was sixteen and got a job at the local meatworks as a butcher. And at the time, you know, it was it was really good money in New Zealand at the time working in that industry. So I did a I did a nine-month stint and saved saved I think thirteen grand and. Um, was kind of scratching my head thinking all right am I going to stay here for the rest of my life or is there more to more to this world and just yeah just randomly bought a one-way ticket to London and yeah never never been back to live since then so 
that's quite incredible for a 17 year old so yeah I don't, don't really know what I was thinking but my parents were really encouraging they thought it was you know there was you know it was, it was going to be a good experience I guess I was pretty mature for my age at the time and yeah, I've got a 17-year-old at home and there's no ways known he's capable of even yes. bonding his way into I've, the city, I've let alone flying to another country. <laughs> I've got a 17-year-old daughter as well and I'm sure she'd manage, but at the same time I'm, I'm terrified to think of her yeah. flying to um, London on a one-way ticket by herself trying to set up a life. So what did that look like as a 17-year-old flying into a, a new country? Um, oh, fuck, I don't know. Excuse me. Yeah, um, right. I didn't... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to sort of think. I, I was pretty fearless then. Mm. I didn't really have a lot of um, um, anxiety around anything. I just kind of did it. So, yeah, I was fortunate I got there. My mum had a really close friend who from New Zealand. Her sister was managing a restaurant, and I pretty much walked into a job washing dishes um, the day that I got there. So, you know, I had money coming in, and, and um, I spent, I spent about two and a half years there. So I did like a chef's apprenticeship. Um, which I didn't complete, but um, I yeah. After two years, I walked out of there. I was I was one of the main chefs, and you know I had a skill that I could use wherever I went. So yeah, that was kind of my my main um, career path, I guess. You know, I've been a chef on and off for you know twenty years now, um, and yeah, it's still something I really enjoy. It's not it's not something I do. You know, I don't want to work as a chef again, but it's you know a skill that's been really helpful through through my life and something I really enjoy now. Like I definitely you know like cooking and and you know the connection with the food is something that's really important to me. Yeah, so certainly a new movement in that um, Whole Foods and yes. and catch your own catch your own cook or meal type setup. So yeah, this sort of farm to table or yeah, you know yeah, that's what I was getting your for. yeah <laughs> paddock to plate whatever yeah, you know whatever you're um. Yeah, whatever you want to call it, but yeah. So for me, that's um, you know that that really ties in with you know this um, you know the bow hunting and the outdoors. It's it's you know I think that that connection to the food and what you can do in the creative side of it is you know it's a really fun part of it as well. Yeah. So in your time as a chef, is there a, a certain highlight for the whole thing for you? That um, it had a pretty. Um, broad range of experiences so yeah a lot of diversity in the restaurants that I worked at so yeah you know modern Australian Asian lots of Italian um, and yeah different environments I worked for years on the Sydney show boats like big paddle steamers that would go around Sydney Harbour and yeah that was a completely different sort of cooking that was you know high volume you know sort of 300 meals in an hour you know a lot of preparation for those meals um, but for me, the most enjoyable was, um, you know, working in smaller restaurants where you're accessing um, fresh local produce. So had a lot of years in Noosa where we had, um, you know, a restaurant right on the water and, you know, the fishermen coming in in the afternoon to what they've caught for the day and designing the menu, like a daily changing menu around, you know, what produce is available. And same with the farmers, local farmers bringing in, you know, fresh produce and, like, that's you know that side of it is what I find really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, there's you know again there's you know that's there's lots of extensions to that as well. You know, as so I've kind of um, you know one of my sort of big interests over the last sort of ten or fifteen years is health and nutrition and nutrition that's kind of geared towards healing the body and you know longevity. Yeah. So 
you know, a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of the, the sourcing of the food and, and when you eat and how you eat, you know, obviously plays a big role in what's going on with your biology. And I think that's something that, um, you know, that I, you know, really connect with. And, you know, and then, you know, from there, you know, when you sort of tie in this wild element, you know, you you kind of go into another area where, you know, there's an energy or, or a life force to that food that, you know, impacts on your body um, and your biology as well. You know, and I think, you know, we can all resonate with that when you're sitting around a campfire eating a fresh bit of meat or a fresh fish that you've just pulled out of a river. It's a different feeling. It's just yeah. a completely different feeling to it. So, yeah, so we were talking before about the nutrition stuff, and it certainly spiked my interest a bit. So, we're talking about health related issues and, and the effects of that through or nutrition on that. So, sure, can you take us a little bit more in depth into that and then even the impacts on yourself? Sure, I guess for me, you know, I like what we're talking about earlier. I, um, you know, to sort of backtrack a little bit, I you know, uh, my last sort of serious job as a chef, I was working on offshore oil rigs. Um, and yeah, I was doing a, like a month on, month off roster, um, working night shift, um, flying out into the Timor Sea for, you know, for a month at a time. And yeah, through that, like I had, you know, I had a pretty heavy workload, you know, while I was out there, but in the evenings I wanted to maximise my time and feel like I was educating myself. So I sort of delved into some study nutrition study and you know a lot of it was related to more sort of sports nutrition um so you know i kind of went down this path of you know a lot of training eating in a way that you know sort of complements your training but not necessarily complementing your health yeah the nutrition the nutrition side of it yeah i, I developed a, an interest around the um more fitness related nutrition um but yeah not so much the you know the nutrition that's um, beneficial for your health and longevity yeah um so yeah i'd for myself personally i was you know i was training a lot i was eating in a way that you know someone would eat if they're you know um, trying to pack on muscle or lose weight at times and you know there's definitely this bit of a yo-yo effect with your your hormones and um and you know how your body responds to the, responds to that um so, yeah, I guess, you know, I felt like I was, you know, I was fit, I was healthy, I was eating reasonably well and, you know, doing all the right things. But, you know, I got to two and a half years ago now, I had a, had an incident that we spoke about earlier where, um, you know, it's in Melbourne, I woke up in the middle of the night, I was getting terrible pain sort of up through my chest and, um, you know, thought maybe I'm having a heart attack, but sort of blew it off and, you know, put it down to my, my training, thought I'd pulled a muscle on my chest. Anyway, I'd had a couple of weeks had gone by and I, um, you know, I was getting similar symptoms every day and I, you know, I finally bit the bullet, went into my doctor and he, he's like, look, you've got to get into emergency straight away. I got in there, went through a series of tests, everything looked fine. And then the last test that they put me through, the stress echo test, they discovered I had like a 98% blocked artery to my heart. And um, yeah, like it was, a, it was a huge shock, you know, it was a real wake-up call and I thought, you know, how could this happen to me when I've been so focused on you know what I thought was my my a healthy approach to life and I realized that you know there was you know there was such a bigger picture to this this um, cycle of you know what you eat where it comes from what's the right thing to eat for you might not be the right thing for somebody else and 
yeah, I've just, you know, it's really pushed me into a deep dive into, um, you know, um, nutrition that is um, more f- focused on healing your body or doing damage to your body. So for me, it was, you know, I was eating in a way that, um, you know, is a healthy diet for most people. Um, I was on a kind of paleo, low-carb um, style diet. I had a lot of, lot of fat in my diet, a lot of good fats natural fats but you know for me I was probably overdoing it on the saturated fats and I'm not saying saturated fats are bad for people but if you've got a certain genetic um, SNP you may be more susceptible to not processing those fats as well and you know when you combine that with you know high inflammation in your body from certain foods that you may be eating not sleeping as well I was working night shift you know really heavy training load and you know, and just general stress, then you know you can have some um, implications on your arterial walls. That that saturated fat in your diet could potentially build up and um, cause you issues. And you know, I believe that's you know that's what happens to me. So once upon a time, that was just put down to cholesterol, yeah. But that's been proven to be a myth now. Yeah, it's definitely a myth. But there, you know, it, it's it's still a complex thing. You know, like for for me, like my diet has generally been this sort of low carb ketogenic based diet. Um, and you know, for me, I was probably not responding as well to the saturated, the high saturated fats in my diet. I was having you know a hell of a lot of coconut oil, butter. All of these things that are really healthy fats for most people, but having this genetic um, um, implication, I was just not I was not processing those fats as well. And yeah. it's something my dad had as well. He's got the same issue and the same artery. Um, hadn't progressed as bad as what mine has. So, you know, it's you know it's 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 a, a combination of a lot of things. And you know, maybe without you know some of these other factors. It wouldn't have really been an issue for me, but it's definitely um, one of the key things that I've hi- that I've highlighted in in this research around you know why this would happen to someone that's you know supposedly healthy. So, given your experience, is there a, a better way than waiting till you are sick to identify these things for people that I th- might be? I think the cardiovascular disease is a is a tricky one. It's um, you know like certainly monitoring your blood work regularly. Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of key things in there, you know, that relate to inflammation, homocysteine and C-reactive protein. So they're inflammation markers in our blood. I think, you know, inflammation is definitely one one thing that seems to pop up in most of these degenerative um, diseases. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things in our diet, you know, processed foods, um, you know, drinking um you know soft drinks and you know high sugar diets they all they all trigger these inflammation response in our body so like definitely you know that's one thing to, to look at um cholesterol to a to a degree um you know not that the the cholesterol itself is a bad thing it's it's essential for you know pretty much every hormone production in our body and repair mechanism in our body but you know when you start having cholesterol that's blown out then you know and you've got some inflammation markers there that's when you can start to get a little bit of a you know signal that okay maybe this is something i need to look at yeah um i'd say those two things triglycerides there's a a number of things that are you know pretty much um you know can highlight some some warning signs of blood pressure but 
you know, all of the stuff can easily be mitigated with, with um, you know, a movement, some sort of movement each day, um, you know, concentrating on what you're eating. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to be, go overboard with it to, um, to keep things in check. So can you take us through a little bit of your ketogenic diet? So that is considering in intermittent fasting as well, does it? A little bit. Not so much now. I find, um, like, I do use the intermittent fasting, but the ketogenic diet, it's generally, like, I don't really overthink it. I just eat. Um, any meat that I eat is organic or, um, you know, beef is, you know, grass-fed, grass-finished, organic beef, um, plenty of fish, um, you know, lots of vegetables, and you know where possible wild or 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 you know um or freshly caught so no i don't concentrate on how much i eat like i pretty much eat what i want but it's just it's i just focus on the quality and i just yeah. don't i don't eat i just don't eat garbage you know yeah so home That's cooked it's it's you know but i've got a you know like an 80 20 kind of thing going on where i think if 80 percent of the time I'm cooking at home and I'm eating good quality food, then, you know, I'm not going to, you know, go out for dinner and not enjoy something that I want to eat. You know, it's definitely... Um, How do you find balancing there. that out with obviously a very busy work schedule and lots of travel and... I think, I mean, for me, fortunately, like now, you know, with this having my home, home base in Melbourne, I've got my own place, I can shop regularly, I'm, you know, I work from home generally, so I pretty much cook breakfast, lunch and dinner... Um, traveling again it's you know it's it's a little bit harder but I just again just a bit more conscious about what I what I'm eating if I'm at the airport I'm not going to go and eat a burger I'm going to get a bag of nuts and a bottle of water or you know but having said that you know I still have a blowout when I want and you know I don't really you know I don't really sort of overcomplicate it it's more for me you know getting back on track after that that health scare it's you know it's a combination of things it was definitely some some tweaks to my diet same kind of diet but probably more um they would call it mediterranean paleo so um, a lot of fish um same thing a lot of greens and vegetables but more olive oil as opposed to butter and coconut oil because i know for me that my body is responding better to that yeah so and then we were talking earlier about the the mental health impacts of significant health scares and, and subsequent surgery. So can you take us through how you manage some of that yourself? Yeah, well, it's an ongoing process. It's still, a, you know, it's still something I'm, you know, it's very up and down. Like I feel, you know, initially, yeah, it was, it was a big shock. I was like, you know, why has this happened to me of all people? You know, and I felt a little bit, um, you know, like... I would, you know, I'd look at other people that were doing completely the opposite to me, the wrong thing, and not having problems, and sort of questioning, you know, what have I done wrong? And it, it really sort of forced me into, um, you know, looking at, at, you know, my life in a bit more of a holistic way. So, you know, it's you can eat what you want and drink what you want and exercise all you like, but if you don't have your head in the right space in you know your attitude then you know it's going to impact as well and you know not that I I didn't feel like I had that but I think you know there was definitely starting a new business a lot of travel um, financial stress of getting a business going and getting to a point where you sort of feel comfortable 
yeah, I had you know I had significant amount of stress, which I feel you know definitely played a major role in you know probably exasperating some of the underlying things that I had going on. Um, which you know, so part part of that was something that really um, encouraged me to you know reconnect and sort of go down this path of um, spending more time in the outdoors, more time you know on my own, more time. Um, yeah, just just downtime where I'm just completely disconnected from things, and you know, to 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 be have a business where I'm you know I'm constantly online and and you know all my communication is pretty much digital or over the phone. I um, it was just really refreshing to go out in the bush and sit by a campfire and have no phone reception and you know have some fresh air and <laughs> yeah, eternally recharges the batteries. Just being out there with nothing, no 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 form of contact with the outside world so sure um the other part of that as we were talking before was along the lines of sleep patterns and things like that so that certainly some of my issues was related to lack of sleep and then constant tiredness and that probably from my point is the reason behind a lot of the, the the darker moments that i had so Sure. You you've been doing a bit of work on sleep patterns and yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that was one of the key things when I you know, for me I couldn't really get the answers from you know the cardiologists or the doctors um, about why you know someone that's you know 45 in October, um, you know, fit and healthy would be in a situation that I'm in. So. Um, you know, I kind of reached out to a few people again, back to the social media through through a guy, Ben Greenfield, who's a bow hunter and, you know, a, a American guy who's got a, you know, a lifestyle that's very connected to the land, right at the forefront of this health and longevity movement. Reached out to him and, you know, he sort of put me in a direction that was really eye-opening. So, um, sleep was one of the key things. Um, people that um, work night shift have a 40% higher chance of cardiovascular disease. Um, shift workers, anybody that's got a disrupted sleep schedule or a, a schedule that is not in line with um, the circadian, your circadian rhythm, rhythm, rhythm is thrown out or it's not in line with the, you know, the Earth's natural cycles, um, it can manifest in, in health problems. So... That's one thing I've, you know, I've really tried to focus on is, is sleep hygiene, and you know, so there's a couple of key things that we probably that we probably don't really think about. You know, it's it's, um, you know, the the key one is, is light spectrums that we're exposed to. So you know, we've got these phones and devices that we're we're constantly looking at that are, are sending out a, um, a spectrum of light, a blue light that is very similar to um, midday sunshine light. That light spectrum is um, influencing our body, um, you know, through these different cycles of the day that, that um, it's telling us, you know, if we're looking at a spectrum that, that is blue, blue light from the middle of the day on our phone screen at 9 o'clock at night, it's telling our body that, you know, hey, it's time to get up and get moving. It's not, not time to lie down and start going to sleep and produce you know, the hormones and chemicals that are going to induce the best sleep and recovery. So, yeah, that's one thing I've, I've been really conscious of. I, I don't expose myself to any unnatural light in the morning. So, you know, I try and get up when the sun comes up, um, get outside for a walk, 
um, put my feet on the ground or, you know, if, when it's a little bit warmer, jump in the ocean. And, yeah, that, you know, you start triggering this cascade of hormones that is in line with, you know, the, the cycles of the earth. All living things, you know, live in this same cycle. Um, you know, plants, animals, whatever, you know. So for me, that was, you know, that's a key thing, just resetting your biology. Um, same thing at night, no exposure to these artificial lights at night. There's some settings on your phone that you can, that you can put in there that changes the, the light spectrum to a red light, which is, which is more beneficial for sleep patterns at night. Um, yeah, and just really, yeah, just really concentrating on getting more rest. And so you just, oh, in my head when you mentioned the blue light before, I was thinking there's something in that. Maybe we can <laughs> add in a red spectrum or something like that, but then there you go. It's already it's, been done, yeah, it's so. in your phone. Yeah, it's in your phone. There's a yeah. couple of, if you Google red setting on your phone, there's a couple of things that you can click on. So I'm just, yeah, I'm conscious about that. So just little things like that, you know, where, um, you know, you, we, we just don't realise how disruptive a lot of this technology is to our biology. And, you know, that's why when we do go out into the bush or you sleep on the ground or you walk on the ground with bare feet, you, you feel better. You feel better. There's, there's a lot of science to support that now. And, you know, there's some really good examples. And in Japan, they have these healing gardens where a lot of cancer therapy um, treatment revolves around people spending, and mental health, spending 15 minutes in these 15-minute blocks in these gardens. And... The science behind that is that, you know, these plants and trees, they release these microspores as a protective mechanism to stop, you know, animals from eating the plants. And um, when we inhale these microspores, we have a hormetic response um, where our immune system takes a little hit and then it upregulates. So the same way as when you exercise, you break down some muscle, muscle tissue, your body repairs and, and comes back stronger. So... You know, there's a lot of stuff about being in the outdoors that, you know, is very beneficial to our health and our immune function. And, um, yeah, so that, you know, that side of it I find really fascinating. Yeah. So that's, you know, one element. Then, you know, you've got the food that you're eating and, you know, how your body's responding to that food. Um, so before we just move on from that, how have you found the impacts of that? on your sleep and yeah huge so i've got a i've got this device on my which you can see it's a ring on my finger it's called the aura ring and yep. it's a they call it a self-quantification device so it's it tracks my a lot of different metrics in my body so one of the main things it tracks is all my sleep cycles over the night so i can gauge how long i've been on light sleep deep sleep REM sleep and when i'm waking up um it also tracks my um HRV, which is your heart rate variability, the gap between each heartbeat. So that that gap between each heartbeat um, can tell us what's going on with our nervous system. So we've got two sides to our nervous system, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. The sympathetic is the, the fight and flight response that we have in our body. Um, parasympathetic is the rest and digest and when we're healing and, and recovery and what we should be in, you know, in equal amounts of time. In this environment that we live in now, like we're all, you know, tend to be a lot more sympathetic focused. We're a bit more stressed and, you know, there's a lot of stimulation. It's very difficult to switch into this parasympathetic mode and, um, you know, which we need to be in to heal and to recover. 
So yeah, this is one thing I've noticed. I can, you know, I can get up in the morning and I can see, you know, what my daily activities or lifestyle stuff, how that imp imp impacts on my sleep and my, my HRV. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's been a really amazing tool. Like I notice when I, when I go out into the bush and I disconnect from everything, this device still works records up to six weeks at a time so you know when I come back and I, I sort of plug it in and see what's going on like my sleep cycles improve dramatically my HRV the number my HRV score increases so my immune system's functioning better it means I've been in a parasympathetic state so yeah it's really it's really interesting to when you look at the science of you know how being in nature impacts on our health and well-being so yeah, it's it's um it's a tool I think that anybody can use to, you know, reset a little bit, um, you know, improve your emotional state and just yeah, just get your body back working in sync with, you know, the environment. So can you tell us a bit more about the ring? Because I'm looking at it and it, it basically looks like my wedding ring. Yeah. So. so it's a it's a device out of Finland. Um, a lot of people in this. Um, um, anti-aging longevity space are wearing this ring it's the only device that you can use in airplane mode so you don't get any Wi-Fi signal or Bluetooth signal into your into your body which is another disruption to our cellular communication um, but yeah look it's just it's something that I um, that I'd heard about a lot of guys talking about and I just thought, look, this could be a really good tool for me to kind of gauge what's going on and and just see what, what it is that's actually affecting me and disrupting my sleep and impacting on my health. So, yeah, I, it's, it's, um, yeah it's been great. Yeah, no, so it plugs in. I, I can't even see yeah, where so, it would. It's so it just goes onto a little docking station. So I, I wear it at night. And then I, I get up in the morning. I put it onto a little docking oh, station. Cool, it's yeah. got some little sensors in there that yep. that um, are picking up what's going on through your your bloodstream. And um, yeah, there's a little um, electromagnetic um, response there that they they can track that data. It's wacky. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's interesting. Oh, I just thought it was just a big ring. So, yeah. and that's all it is. Yeah. Essentially, but it's measuring all these other things. So. Yeah, I'll show you. The, I'll show you the. Um, I've got it on my phone. I'll show you the data later on. It's quite fascinating to have a look at it. So I'm probably buggered because I'm wearing a Garmin watch and it's punching Wi-Fi wi wi straight into me yeah. constantly. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm trying to, you know, get things back on track. And I've actually seen, you know, you know, I've, I've created this, you know, I've got a pretty regimented morning routine and evening routine. It's yep. kind of very antisocial. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I get up at this time. I get outside. I go for a walk or go for a run. I'm, you know, get some much sun or or just natural light on my body first thing in the morning before I have got any, you know, artificial lights in my eyes. Um, yeah, do a little kind of yoga and meditation and breath work routine. And again, the breath work's another sort of level to it. It's very interesting when you um, when you play around with you know um, what you can do with breath and how it affects your body and your biology. And, and it's one way that you can instantly switch from a sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state through through how you breathe. So that's deep breaths or is it more it's, complex than it, that it's, I, there's four different 
um, styles of breathing that I use. So in the morning, it's a, it's like a almost like a holotropic breath work <coughs> where you you know you're doing a series or Wim Hof breathing. Yep. He's the Ice Man guy. Um, where yeah, it's like a series of breaths and then exhalations and holds and inhalations and holds. And yeah, you just you really trigger. Um, it just a lot of mental clarity and energy in your body and you're kind of dumping a lot of toxins you know like most of the toxins that we release in our body either come through our skin or through our breath we breathe them out um so yeah it's just again it's just a really good tool to you know to have a bit of a reset clear my head you know trigger some of the neurotransmitters that are going to you know make you feel a bit better for the day and um yeah, so that's, yeah, it's kind of like an hour routine that I do every day. I've been doing it pretty solidly for two and a half years. Yeah. And um, then, yeah, in the evening, similar kind of thing, you know, before I go to bed and, you know, just a, a different style of breath work to wind down and get into a, a state where you, you know, feel a bit more peaceful and and relaxed. Yeah. So. Cool. So, mm. um, bow hunting. Yes, bow hunting. <laughs> Let us know how that journey's been for you, considering you, you went a long period from being a kid on the farm, you, you travelled the world, then, you, then you've come back in and you're connecting with nature. So Yeah, yeah and it was a bit of a, um, you know, I was kind of, I was going through a bit of a stage where, you know, I was really questioning, you know, what I was eating, where it was coming from, what was I supporting, and, you know, I was really, you know, I, I didn't want to be part of this, you know, mass consumer, you know, not being conscious about where my food comes from. And, you know, I sort of flashed on, you know, whether it's, you know, is it right to eat meat? Should I be thinking about being a vegan or should I be just be way more conscious about where my meat comes from and potentially try and get it myself? So... You know, I um, around you know when I was in that sort of headspace, I'd started listening to Joe Rogan, who had Adam Greentree on as a guest, and Shane Dorian, who was a surfer. I surfed, so you know, I've Shane, Shane Dorian, you know, for many years, and um, yeah, more Shane Dorian. Like his story really resonated with me, where you know where he lives in Hawaii and he's got access to you know to pigs and deer and seafood and lots of food and. Um, you know, I just felt like that was sort of, you know, maybe a bit of the missing puzzle for me was was um, sort of getting back to something I was familiar with as a kid. And, you know, obviously being in Victoria, we've got, you know, we've got, you know, the option within an hour and a half from the city, you're in the out in the bush, you know, you'd be down the coast fishing. There's a lot of access to um, the outdoors and, and those things. So, yeah, I kind of, um, I'd... I'd you know, that's the, listening to those guys really sparked an interest. And I, I, I walked into a bow shop one day, saw a secondhand bow there, and you know, had a couple of shots at the target, and went, "Hang on, there's something in this," and ended up buying that and walking out the door, and um, yeah, ended up at an archery club, and was sort of doing once a week shooting archery, and you know, sort of working out what the next step was, and you know, who I'd go with, and how I'd sort of learn, you know, about about hunting. And um, yeah, just at, at that time, I, I um, connected with a guy that I'd met a couple of years before Ross. Um, through he'd done a, a course that I was teaching at the time when I was teaching some surfboard manufacturing, and he posted a picture with him with a bow in the bush, and I was like, "No way, you're hunting!" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm going out every weekend." So 
him and I ended up going out and he, you know, he had sort of pretty broad knowledge and, you know, spent a lot of years hunting, you know, um, back in the UK where he grew up. And so, yeah, it was just, a, it was a, it was a real eye opener to get, sort of get out there and get in the bush and start learning about, you know, what species are around and, um, like, so total novice, still am, but, um, yeah, had, I've had some, yeah, some really amazing experiences so far, like, with the, the people that I've connected with, you know, the time that I've been out in the bush has been, has been, you know, um, a real learning curve and, um, yeah, had some fun, had some really good fun. So it doesn't surprise me with the talks that we've had about you just jumping in the deep end in life in general, but you've certainly done it with bow hunting as well. <laughs> so most people will cut their teeth bow hunting on pigs and goats and things like that where there's numerous opportunity, but yet you've done it in Victoria up against Samba deer, which is arguably the most difficult so species here, of deer yes. <laughs> in Australia. So um, how's your experience been with the Samba? It's been, yeah, it's been good. I was really, um, I was really lucky. I had uh, two years ago now, I had a, um, I've got a friend here in Victoria that's got a, a family farm out at um, near Seymour on the Goulburn River. And um, I was just, I was looking for somewhere to go to work from for a couple of months and just chill out and get out of the city and he offered me a little cabin on their property so I um I had nearly three months there it was middle of summer it was stinking hot it was 40 degrees every day um but like that was you know that was probably um you know where I where I really put a lot of time and I was going out every afternoon and sitting on trails and it was you know it was a very difficult area it was really steep and you know lots of tea tree and I would get close to deer but no chance of getting shots or be bumping stuff you know right left and center and um, and that's where I think where I first sort of connected with you and I was like look what do I do I'm in this I'm in this area that I, I know there's deer here but I can't get near them yeah so certainly all the like everything you'd explained to me there it was difficult hunting would have been difficult for people with rifle let alone being a bow hunter there so pretty much everything was against you in that instance yeah yeah but you still almost got it done and and you were bumping the animals regularly so yeah and i it was almost you know i think what i've enjoyed the most about it is like you know i'd, I'd love to you know get a deer and get something on the ground and get food and um but every time i go out i've pretty much seen a deer yeah, and got close to something or had a you know great experience. So, for me, you know, getting a deer will just be the icing on the cake. And um, you know, I did. I think I, I spoke to you about it as well. I got I got really close. You know, I put an arrow on a deer at young stag one evening, and um, probably got a little bit overexcited and sort of rushed in after it and bumped it out of a bed where um, you know potentially it would have been if I'd left it. Yeah, so that's for pretty another. common for a lot of bow hunters, particularly new bow hunters, is just getting too eager. So you do need to allow the time for the animal to pass because it it, bow hunting doesn't have the same shock factor that you would have with, with a rifle. So um, it's quite easy for the animals to bed but still have that little bit of adrenaline left to jump up and go a bit further. So Sure. Yeah, but I... I I preach that as much as I can, but reality <laughs> is I still find myself going in too soon as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely. I can see 
you know, I mean, everyone says it to me, you know, there's a lot of lessons that you learn along the way and, you know, in hindsight, you kind of, you're looking back thinking, okay, I rushed that or I probably should have done this or done that. And I think for me, that was definitely one of those moments. But um, surprisingly, I was extremely calm at the time. And, you know, when I took the shot and set it all up, it was, yeah, I thought I might have been a bit more um, rattled than what I was. Mm -hmm. It was, it seemed very natural and, yeah, it flowed really well, but yeah, I just, I guess, I just, I, I probably should have sat it out and, yeah, um, not rushed in there yeah. like. Uh, no, that's all right. <laughs> it's a learning. The whole hunting is a journey, and and all of those experiences are what make maketh the man, so to speak. So sure. I've got millions of them, but I keep learning. So every time I go in the bush, I'm still learning. There's something, yeah, yeah. There's something absolutely. you can take away from it. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's where you know, like I've had, I've had. Um, you know, um, some really great trips since then. I've got um, I've got a really close friend, Eamon Waddington, who um, is a shout new shout out to Eamon. Shout out to Eamon, <laughs> he's a legend. Yeah, um, yeah, he's got a he's a photographer based in Newcastle, um, who grew up down here in Victoria, and his family they've got a they've got a farm up in the Kiwa Valley, which is a really stunning area in Victoria. And, um, yeah, whenever he's down, he shoots me a message. He's like, come up. So, yeah, we set up camp somewhere on the farm and sort of walk the hills behind the house or, you know, some of the blocks in the neighbouring area. And, and there's, yeah, there's a lot of deer. So, again, you know, we're, we're seeing deer all the time. But just, you know, I, I just haven't really been in a situation where I've, you know, been fortunate for the planets to align and... Um, I'm sure it'll happen. It feels like every time I go, it's a little bit closer. But, um, yeah, once it does happen, it'll feel that much sweeter too. Yeah, and I think that, you know, like I'm just appreciating every, you know, every step. I'm not, you know, there's nothing about it that I'm not enjoying. So it's there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to it. Like I think, you know, we touched on some stuff earlier. There's definitely, um, you know, there's so many things going on with that experience that go well beyond, you know, shooting an animal and getting some food it's you know it's the relationships it's the the time outside it's the um you know it's it's just a whole experience it's a it's a really enjoyable really enjoyable thing to do yeah so we were talking as well around surfing and that style lifestyle so you've been that's been a big part of your life as well yeah definitely definitely from i think i would have been about five or six when i started surfing and yeah, it's been a it's been a dominant thing in my life for for all that time. So so that's know, New Zealand. I didn't realise surfing was yeah, a thing in New Zealand. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. Really good surfing. Yeah, yeah okay. both coastlines. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, so a lot of my lifestyle or places I've lived has revolved around that as well. You know, I had last last year I was based in Bali for nearly five months and you know that's you know that's somewhere I've been going consistently every year for at least sort of 25 years there's really really great surf there and um so yeah again it's just a, another you know connection with with um the outdoors and you know I think like when you're outside in the bush or hunting being in the ocean you get a really similar feeling so yeah, that's a that's a big part of my life. Then I think around probably around five years ago, around the same time that I sort of got interested in the bow hunting, I started spearfishing. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of um, sort of crossover with those two things. I feel like it's bow hunting underwater. It's kind of the same kind of thing. You're stalking the fish and putting yourself in a position where, you know, you're going to hopefully intercept something. And there's, um, yeah, there's just a, you know, you, you're tapping, definitely tapping into something primal. Like there's a biological, you know, response there that, that um, triggers something that, um, maybe it's in our DNA or I don't know it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a weird thing but Have you seen any sharks while you've been in the water? That um, might change your mind a little bit I haven't seen anything when I've been spearfishing but yeah. yeah it's just a matter of time What about the surfing? Seen yeah I've seen sharks plenty yeah. of time surfing Yeah, Straight out yeah. or you just keep doing your thing? Uh, it depends where it is but yeah I mean I had a lot of years in Queensland it was pretty common to see sharks like it's you know sort of coming into um, to the end of the summer, there was a lot of sort of bait fish moving up the coast, and you know there was always sharks around. But yeah, look, definitely something you think about a lot. Yeah, and you make boards as well, yeah, part time yep. as a hobby. Yeah, done surfboards for about twenty years, um, which I'm sort of doing again at the moment, just for a bit of fun on the weekends, and yeah, yeah, just some you know a bit of a creative, creative outlet. Yeah, so. Again, it's sort of, you know, like you make a surfboard with your hands and you go and surf it in the ocean. It's a similar connection to, you know, getting a bow and going out into the bush and actually getting your food, you know. There's definitely, you know, it's it's very different process and, yeah, I think, you know, anything that you can have a deeper connection with or, you know, a bit more mindful about is, um, yeah, it's, it's beneficial or, you know, just more special. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, cool. Um, we'll move on to your business now. So you you created Modern Pirate? Yes. Yeah. Don't really know how to describe it. I'd say men's grooming would be the yeah. the most appropriate thing. But um, I like to sort of look at it as a lifestyle brand. Yeah. Um, focused around sort of hair products and, you know, a bit of clothing and... Um, yeah, so that business I started in 2014 and, yeah, it was just a bit of a uh, random idea. I was working offshore on the rigs at the time and felt like I needed a change. Um, and I saw what I thought was a bit of a gap in the market for, you know, a, a brand that was um, focusing on this whole kind of hipster barbershop thing that was taking off that could potentially sort of cross over into some other areas as well. So, yeah, that was, you know, that was kind of the initial sort of foundation of it. Um, so, yeah, it's a product range of, of hair styling products um, made in Australia. And, yeah, I'm exporting. I've got a you know, decent wholesale market in Australia. I'm exporting to about 20 countries now. And, yeah, it's pretty, pretty fun, pretty um, consuming as well. And, um, but, yeah, it's, it's allowed me to, you know, have you know time I guess or or the space to sort of move to different locations or you know build things into my life that I probably couldn't do if I was in a nine-to-five job yeah so is it has it reached a point where you're comfortable with it now or have you got further expansion that you yeah would like I'm to never do? comfortable with yeah. it it's got to keep <laughs> it you know not keep growing because I want to make more money or I'm or, or I want to be you know the biggest most successful brand it's that i think you know these product-based businesses they kind of have to keep progressing you need to keep it interesting else they 
you know, you kind of slip off people's radar. You know, you need to introduce new products. You need to freshen up the look of it every six months just to be relevant. So I think if you, you know, like I could definitely just keep cruising along with where I'm at with it, but I think I'd slowly lose interest, you know, and your competitors would sort of push past you with, you know, their innovations. So, yeah, it's it's a constant, you know, you're constantly in development with something, constantly trying to keep it fresh or looking for new outlets. And um, But for me, you know, the... I'm really focusing on my lifestyle around it. So, you know, the choices I'm making, you know, are probably, you know, more focused on, okay, how is this going to impact on my life? You know, am I going to be able to, you know, take a Wednesday off and go out into the bush or, you know, spend a morning down the coast or, you know. So, yeah, it's it's complementing, you know, a lot of things that are going on in my life at the moment. So steady growth, but without sort of compromising um, you know my health and my lifestyle and yeah so it's just a balancing act balancing act I guess can you take us through the range a little bit of what it actually what it is yeah so the, the, the focus the primary thing is for hairstyling products then you know from there that's pretty that's probably 80 percent of what the business is focus on those products in the barber trade Um and from there, you know, I've got extensions from that. I've got, you know, shampoo, conditioner, body wash. I've got some really nice natural soaps that are made locally. A bit of clothing and apparel that support that. Um, and, yeah, a few other things I've had, you know, I've have done some collaborations. I've done some really cool boots at the moment with an Australian shoe company called Croft, which are based yep. in Melbourne. Um so yeah, this there's lots of little kind of cross branding and cross promotional things that I can tie in with it. Um, but again, you know, like it sort of comes back to it's. I mean, the things around, you know, the day to day running the business is it's just a business. But you know, I've developed some really good friendships and relationships through it. And I think for me, when I look at it, it's just it's it's so much more than just just work. Yeah. So you're a wholesaler, so people shouldn't just come straight to you for it. Where where can yeah. people find it? Have you got an online? Is there an yeah, online I've got shop? A, yeah, I've got an online shop, modernpirate.com.au. Um, so that's my sort of direct consumer. And then yeah, wholesale. I've got I've got a couple of distributors around the country, and yeah, and then sort of multiple dis- distributors outside of the country. Yeah. So, so the so. Melbourne-based guys. Is there a barber shop that you, you can put them onto? Um, let me just think now. This a lot of it has been farmed out to distributors, but yeah. um, most decent barber shops yep. in every city will have it. Culture Kings in in Melbourne. They've got a couple of stores. Always got it. Um, yeah. Jimmy Rods. This yeah, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty pretty easy to track down so yeah cool yeah so and you've got you've got your instagram account for modern pirate are you on facebook as well or? yeah i'm on i'm on all of those channels i don't really do much with the facebook to be honest it's just yeah. kind of an overflow from the instagram but um yeah the instagram's the main one modern underscore pirate and yeah through i mean through that i mean any probably a heap of people hunters out there that will notice oh that's that dude following me on Instagram (laughs) there's a lot of hunting sites that I'm following and a lot of people that I've you know sparked up some um, conversations with through that that channel yeah which is pretty cool 
there was an opportunity to branch out into the Dirty Hunter or something like that. Yeah, and you never know. You never know. I think about Mountain Pirate all the time. <laughs> like, there's got to be... Um, yeah, well, there's probably opportunity there. There's a lot of us. So, yeah. I, and I, like, I have been using your products. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I love it. I love the, the body wash, probably my go-to thing. And, and then, obviously, the soaps as well. So Oh, that's good. Yeah, plus, the soaps are handy. The soaps yeah. are handy to chuck in a bag when you're in the bush. But, um, no, I've got definitely got a lot of ideas in that space you know yeah some healthy food yeah you know some um not so much supplements but yeah i definitely see something there where you could have um you know some some kind of morning routine packet that you know sparks your cognition in the bush and um you know just a, yeah whether it's a high fat high energy um mct or based drink in the morning with some lion's mane mushroom in it to get your cognition going and you know connect with the environment a bit easier yeah then um yeah who knows yeah cool so with that what's next where do you go what do you do so this is both business perspective as well as your hunting life so big question that one yeah it is yeah it's probably something that i'm actually pondering on a lot at the moment what's the next day (laughs) maybe don't talk too much about the business related stuff then but just talk about yourself what where do you see yourself in the next five ten years um you know it's 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 yeah i mean that's a tricky question i don't i generally don't project too far ahead i feel like i i try not to you know, um, even with the business and, you know, a lot of people say to me, look, what's your five-year plan? What are you doing this? And, it, you know, I feel like it's, it's very organic. It kind of, there's so many things and opportunities that come up along the way. It's, I find it hard to define, you know, a, 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 you know like a set um, structure that, I, you know, that I'm working towards. But I do have some pretty nagging underlying things that I think will influence my choices, like definitely being... Um, somewhere where I can have a bit of space, you know, a garden, a, you know, grow some vegetables, be outside more, sit by a fire in the evenings rather than on a balcony in an apartment block in the middle of the city. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's where I'm sort of moving towards. And, you know, my business is my life as well. So, you know, everything kind of has this overlap. So the choices that I make with my business, you know, you know have to align with... Um, you know, with where I want to go with my personal life as well. So, you know, it's, it, you know, I've created, I think I was mentioning before, I've created this business where, you know, I've basically outsourced as much as I can. I have a, I have a manufacturer that, that um, produces my products. I ship from there into a third-party logistics warehouse and, you know, all of my um, products are stored there and dispatched for my online and my international wholesale so I don't have to be, I don't have to have my own warehouse or have a, a set location. I can coordinate things from, you know, from pretty much wherever I want to be, which which is fantastic in lots of ways. But, um, you know, so I think for me that that's a path that I'll probably continue on. It's it's a little bit more expensive. Um, there's a, you know, you, you don't have the connection to, you know, this everyday connection to your, your brand or your products or the people that you're dealing with as much which you know i mentioned is a bit of a you know it's a you know it's that can be a little bit challenging um but the upside is is i can yeah i can you know set up where i want to be where i need to be um based on you know what's going on in my life 
DFSE uh, return to New Zealand at all to live or? Yeah, I think it's definitely it's somewhere I'd never thought, you know, I would probably go back to. But it's yeah, the pool is definitely getting stronger. So I'm spending even just spending more time there each year now. I'm trying to you know have a couple of trips a year and. Um, yeah, I'm just really enjoying going back and spending time with my, my parents and my brother and, um, you know, just really appreciating the way they live now where, you know, in the past it was probably, you know, I didn't really see the importance of it. You know, they live out of the garden still. My dad, you know, he's, you know, they're right on the beach. He's fishing and scuba diving every week and my brother's still hunting and, you know, they just it's just a really different approach to living than what you know i feel like i've been caught up in in the last sort of 20 years of floating around the world yeah so i I could live in new zealand in a heartbeat it's (laughs) certainly a hunter's mecca but it also has the feel that it's about 10 years behind the rest of the world so that to me suits me down to a t because i I'm not into the big, fast-paced city movement, so... Sure. Yeah. No, I, well, me too. I think, you know, it's, um, you know, it's taken some time, but I'm definitely gravitating towards that more and seeing the, you know, the benefits of that, you know. Yeah. Getting away from humans, not closer to more humans. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, but, no, look, it's a special place. It's, you know, I go back there and... Um, you know, you know, a lot of childhood memories obviously sort of come into my mind, and um, it, it feels like it just hasn't changed. It just yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. The progression of the the place, you know, due to the population, it just doesn't seem to change. Still yeah. plenty of fish out there. Still yeah. plenty of pigs and deer in the bush. And <laughs> so one thing that I found interesting over there was those contiki things that you just send out a long line out into yeah, the ocean. Yes. That yeah. seems to be reasonably big over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, on an offshore day, yeah. yeah, the wind blows it out. Yeah, you still see that plenty. And yeah. Dad, Dad sets long lines. He's got like a little twenty hook, long yeah. line. So you know, we'll go out. He'll have a couple of dives. We'll set the long line and pick it up on the way back. And you know, you got a bucket full of snapper. And yeah, it's yeah, right. insane. Yeah, so good. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, thanks for coming on. No, mate, my pleasure. My it's been pleasure. You're a very interesting guy. I'm sure we'll share some more cams and get a bit more of this. Yeah, yeah I'd love to talk more. Well-travelled person. When so I get, get warmed up a little <laughs> bit more and loosen up a bit, it'd be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah so for sure. We spoke about Modern Pirate and the fact you're on Instagram, Facebook. What about your personal accounts? Um, yes, I've got one personal account actually. Now that you remind me, um, yep. haven't had that for long. Yeah, yep. it's just Kent Mulligan um, on Instagram and. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I got... Yeah, I don't know what my Facebook is, actually. Yeah. Kent Kent, I think, on Kent, Facebook. Kent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. So, yeah, anyone um, yeah, anyone that's um, listening and has um, any questions relating to their health that maybe I could share or help with a bit of insight or something that I've learnt, then, um, yeah, I'd, you know, I'd love to spark up a conversation or... If anyone wants to give me any bow hunting tips, then I'll be open to that as well. (laughs) I'm certainly interested in chatting to you a bit more about the nutritional stuff and and then even the hunting. We can work that out. That'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. We'll fast track that a little bit. Yeah, cool. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. No, thank you, mate. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Good on you, Kent. Awesome. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Hunting Camp Down on a podcast. If you would like any information from today's show, please don't hesitate to contact us on huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com 
or simply hit us up on any of our social media outlets on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to join us next week for another awesome episode and we look forward to sharing another story from Hunting Camp Down Under. Bye for now.